Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. No more whispering in our minds. Today is Let's Talk Black Excellence with your host, Dan Ray. Yeah, welcome to Let's Talk. Before I begin, I'd like to stop to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we broadcast from today here in the West End of Brisbane. Also pay my respects to elders past and present. And a shout out to all the TOs right across the country where our program goes out to. It's a pleasure to have your company. It's also a pleasure to have the company of my guest today. He is an ex-AFL superstar and these days playing his trade as an artist in uh, making artefacts, among other things. Ron Hooper, brother, welcome to uh, Let's Talk. It's great to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me, mate. I look forward to um, working with these guys. Obviously, last year we did the CMC, got invited out to do the gifts for all the uh, international artists, and we'll get stuck into it again this year. Well, we're not too far away from CMC, brother, and we've got you making a whole bunch of uh, new stuff this year for, for the artists. And before we get into that, though, bro, uh, as we do always, can we um, start with your mob and your country? Where you, where do you come from? Okay, so uh, my name's Ron Hooper. I'm a proud uh, Coomer and Cunha man. So the Coomer is uh, just out past St George in the Bolan, down over northern New South Wales. And then the, the Cunha mob is uh, out to Cunnamulla. Uh, it goes a little bit further out towards Yulo and then down south just before the border. Where's home these days? Uh, I'm out at Ipswich at the moment, out at Yamante. Been there since I was about 14, roughly. Mm-hmm. So we moved around a lot when we were younger, so... And you got drafted to the AFL from uh, from Ipswich. Yeah, so I we moved from Dolby when I was in grade one. Mum took the uh, took the leap and tried something different. So we ended up moving to Dandenong in Victoria, and then obviously mm. that's where the AFL started. So spent seven years down there, playing it as a junior, and then moved back to Ipswich at thirteen fourteen, and then signed up. Um, with a local club there and then just kept going through. So just made all your rep sides and state sides and lucky enough to make the All-Australian for the under-17 schoolboys as well. Rugby league was the first passion? Uh, so rugby league is... But I love both sports. Like All my family's league. Mm. Um, I've persuaded sort of half of them sort of they watch. They watch <laughs> now, they know the rules now, AFL, so... <laughs> But uh, mm-hmm. I still play league as well, so like in the Murray Carnivals, yep. you know, I always want to play, you know, get that jersey and play with your mob, so. Speed, I suppose, was your, your um, greatest attribute on the field. Um, yeah, was that sort of your, your thing when you were growing up, is, is you whizzing around the place? Yeah, um, I could say I, I was gifted in that area, mm. but um, I think it just comes down to just how much sports you play, because we, we played non-stop, you know, so you'd be at the skate park early in the morning, uh, you go to school, you play rugby at uh, your first break, second break. You know, if you make your school athletics team, then you, you're down doing that. So I was always doing something. You know, I was training two days a week, catching a train into the city for, for rep footy and push bike everywhere because, you know, you just, that's how you got around. So, mm. so you always always fit. Yep. Uh, did, did kicking a footy come natural to you? Because, you know, playing rugby league, you don't really kick unless you're halfback. Um, <laughs> did, it, did the kicking take long or you just took, took to it? Oh, I don't know. Like, I was eight when I started down at Silverton Footy Club down in Dandenong. It was just more about learning the rules and then sort of you just you pick it up as you play it. So the quicker you, you, know, you pick it up quicker if you're playing it anyway. So yeah. it's one of those things. And then you just got better as you got older And because I always carried a footy with me. So if you always have something in your hand, you're always going to muck around with it. 
And you, you said you were making the, the rep sides and uh, all Australian. Did you realise pretty early on that you had a gift and, and was that identified by, by others that, hey, if you take this serious, you, you know, you could go all the way? Uh, yes, yes and no. I, think, I didn't get too into it until I was about 15 when I thought, okay, this, it's around this time where I need to sort of pick what I want to do. And that was obviously that was there. That was my main goal. But uh, I, I never really thought about it. I think I just love playing footy. You, you just, you know, you get to train two days a week, play on the weekend. But like, I, I was playing three games on a weekend too, so I was playing under 16s, under 18s, and then seniors. Yeah, wow. So I was 16, 15, I think, in a half when I played my first senior game. So you just you back up after three games, and then I, I just love footy that much that I, all I want to do is just keep playing it. And it just sort of went on from there. So many blackfellas play the game. There's also racism that we've seen bubble to the surface uh, over the years. I, I think back to you know, Nicky Winmar and, and Gilbert McAdam, that famous photo, and, and even more recently, you know, the, the, the things that have come out of uh, not only Collingwood but um, other clubs as well. Was that a comforting thing? You know, there were so many blackfellas playing the, the game, naturally gifted, you know, more the, the best at AFL, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, there's also that, um, that threat of racism that's really prevalent in, in AFL footy. Yeah, um, it's a that's a hard topic to talk about because I, when I went to school in uh, in Melbourne, me and my sister were the only Indigenous kids in the school, so I I did cop a fair bit of it through through high school, and a little bit through primary school. So I was one of those people that just sort of I never let it get to me, and I think the reason why they were picking me is because I was better at the sport than they were, and it was just a, it was a picky thing. So they, they obviously tend to go to the, the, the colour side or, or where you're from and all that stuff because it's mainly because you look different. With with the AFL stuff, I, I was lucky enough to have a lot of good leaders around me. So I had Chrissy Johnson, you know, Daryl White, and they had been through all that stuff. So they, they keep you grounded and they say, hey, brother, just just stay calm, it's all good. So they don't, they, those fellas don't quite understand the way we are at the moment, but it will happen. And I'm seeing that now. So we've got... Anthony Corrie down at the Lions now. A lot of AFL clubs are starting to get that cultural leader at the club, um, like a guidance leader at the club. And um, it's it's amazing how much the AFL's changing now because of it. You kind of wish that was back around then, but um, it's heading in the right direction, all sports. All sports, so. yeah. Yeah, and I shouldn't just single out um, AFL for racism and sport. Yeah. You know, we've seen it in netball, we've seen it in rugby league. Um, and, and you know, I guess it's a reflection of this this country as a whole. That is an inbuilt thread of racism that runs deep in this uh, in this country, and it's not just sport; it's it's every aspect. Yeah, yeah, I, I find it in in some business areas as well. Mm, mm. Uh, now, like when I f- fell into my business, is is it's weird because I think they're not used to Indigenous people ex- excelling in their world. Yeah, so it's 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 uh, I don't know. Like, I'm lucky because I get to work by myself. I get to educate, work with kids, and everyone sort of adores you for it. But then when you, know, you get your social media is, is your biggest one. So you get some people doing jobs and then and then they, they criticise everything you do because of the way you do it. And they go, okay, how come not you using the traditional tools? I'm like, well, okay, I might make a boomerang with a traditional tool, but it'll take me six months. You know, it's not, you know, not going to obviously... It's not feasible. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, like... It's, it's more around the education side, so I try to do. But I make sure that when I do my programs, I don't just target Indigenous kids, I target non-Indigenous. Because if they understand the way that we are and you, you involve them into, into the programs as well, especially at a young age, they're around Indigenous culture a lot. So you take away the stigma of 
everyone's been different mm. when they're, mm. they're involved in the programs. Yes. So Inclusive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, it's getting to play for the Brisbane Lions, you know, it's a super successful club. You came in after those, that, that really successful period. What was it like coming into a club with so much success? Uh, it was kind of scary because I actually watched the guys probably the six years, including the four premierships that they made, mm. and then the three they won, obviously. You know, I was... At that 15, 16 years of age, thinking, okay, I could play AFL, but never thought I'd play for Brisbane. I think there was a little bit of a hint someone kind of knew something that I didn't, because I was only 17 when I got drafted. Mm. Um, and they don't draft you at 17 now, you got to finish a year 12 yes. and all that stuff now. But uh, it, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I literally just went straight in there. It was a bit nerve wracking at the start, but I knew I had the talent, but I just didn't know I, how I fit in. Yeah. So you just sort of, you just played off instinct for your first year. So I was managed, uh, I think, 10 or 11 games my first year, so it was pretty good. I had a couple of injuries in the forward line, so I slot straight in. So I was lucky in that in that sense. And could could kick a goal, sneak a goal as well. Oh, you know, like all the Murray kids, you know, always do those trick shots. So mm-hmm. everyone's kicking the ball from the boundary, whether it's rugby league or AFL. Well, what, Charlie Cameron's doing it now? You think he, you think uh, he might have learned from you? Oh, I don't know about that. He's <laughs> doing some stuff that I, you know, that I couldn't do, so... I know, the game's evolving, so you, you can't judge someone on what they play now compared to 15 years ago. It's completely different. Genetics have changed. Guys are quicker, faster. They can jump higher. And they can do more freaky stuff. Do you think the game of AFL is better than when you were playing? Because I, I watch it now and I think, yeah, this is a different game than, than when I was watching Brother Ran play or, or mm. you know, even further back. I don't know. It, like I said, the game evolves. So I reckon when I look at footy now, I reckon it goes in like a 10-year cycle. And the NRL's doing exactly the same. Yes. So if you look at the old 80s and 90s, 90s were still bulk people. So it was all about key forwards, key players, your big players, and it was out-muscling everyone. Now everyone's leaner. You know, the forwards, obviously, with the NRL, you, they're quite big, but they're very quick. Mm. They're explosive. Mobile. So that's that's mm. changed as well. So same with the AFL. Everyone's a bit skinnier. They're still quite as strong, but it's. I think it's more about the body science in sports as well. That's changed a lot, and the recovery side of stuff. So every yeah, everything's a lot quicker. You, you finished up your AFL career, I suppose, earlier than than most. I mean, you're still a young man. You're only uh, in your mid thirties. Yeah, tell us about the the wrapping up of the the AFL career, and and do you have any regrets not not pursuing it further? Yeah, I don't know. It's. I always sit back and, and every season I sort of try and reflect on, on some of the stuff that I've done and what I've achieved and what I haven't achieved. And it's like anything in life, when you when you set a goal and you aim for something and you, and you come up short, it just means you've got to make another goal. So well, I'm, I'm a tradie as well. That's probably my biggest thing that I'm proud about that I actually that I finished. And I, I went to trade school at 30. You know, the AFL, all of my mates are still playing AFL top grade. I retired at... 23, 24, due to a bad injury, and I had a baby on the way. And then and then the other part of it, it was a lot of little things. So I was like mental toughness to come back from an injury. Could I get through another pre-season, you know? I think being away from home as well was another thing, you know, not being back at Ipswich. Um, my partner's um, mother was here as well. I don't know. I reckon if I went on for a little bit longer, don't know whether I would have got through the pre-season kind of thing, and I didn't want to muck people around. If you weren't 100% committed to the pre-season training, it's, you feel like you're letting everyone down at the club. So it, it was just, it was one of those things. Um, but I think having everything given to you at such a young age, you know, you bought my house at 19, bought myself a brand new car at 19. What'd you get, bros? 
Arctic R- 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 Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was... Uh, of course. You know, it, was, it was obviously my favourite uh, car that I wanted to get. Yep. And um, I don't know, it, leaving IC now was probably a blessing in disguise because I wouldn't have been able to grow into the man that I am now. So I fell into a company that I didn't think I'd even have. I never planned on starting the company and it's just happened. Um, teaching kids and saying that you're a mentor as well is, is a cool thing as well because... I can tell you, I've been at the bo- at the bottom, and now I'm working my way back to the top, and I'm 35. So you can still fall off, and still climb. So it's kind of like that as well. If you're just joining us, we're going on with Ron Hooper, and of course our Friday episode of uh, Let's Talk is all centred around black excellence. And brother, you're exceeding not only in your, your AFL journey as a younger man, but these days as a businessman. And you, you touched on it earlier. I feel a bit bad cutting in on Dries. Guys, Lauren here, but we're going to talk about your business side of things, and we spoke about engaging your your skills and your your workmanship for some gifts with the international artist last year at CMC Rocks. I tell you what, the, the mob is still talking about it now. I got a phone call from the CMC people saying we're going to get those um, those gifts for the international artists this year. <laughs> so we gave you the call up, brother, and you've you've brought in uh, what you're going to be doing this year. But before we get into that, let's talk about the the business side of things. How did you? How did you start the business, RH Didgeridoos and Artifacts, and how, how have you seen it progress, I suppose? Yeah, uh, well, it started about about two years ago. So I was halfway through my um, my apprenticeship in fire protection, and I, I loved art. I loved, I, literally, all I wanted to do was learn how to go out, find a didgeridoo, learn how to, you know, learn how to find it, learn how to make it and play it, and then and then it just went from there. So, you know, I had a mate go, yeah, I'll give you a couple of dollars, mate. Can you come, can you make me? Can you make me? Did <laughs> yeah, you, right, and, you know the light bulb moment, and then yeah. you're just like, oh, I could probably do something as a hobby at the, at the start. And then, then I did my first school that year at um, Lockhart Primary School at Ipswich there, and it was during a NADOC week, and it was somewhat of a success. And I thought, oh, how I, I could probably do this, you know, if I can get my name out there and start working in other schools, and then yeah, it's just blown up. So mm. every chance. It's one of those things, like, if you if you get asked to do something and you say no, then you sit there and it's like, same thing with regret. Now, what could have happened? What if, yeah. And, you know, like, he's got, he's got to me about two days before CMC. <laughs> Can we get some gifts? I'm like, I'm like, how many do you need? They said 10. I'm like, oh, right, leave it with me. I'll get it done. You did. So, um, you did. so I got that done and, um, yeah, and then got the gifts done. And it's just, yeah, the business has just skyrocketed. Like, you don't realise how much culture and education is needed so it's branched off into different areas now so i'm a supplier as well to other indigenous companies if they need timber um any types of stuff but uh i'm a cultural educator i do the woodwork classes at the schools and this year i'm working on a um a going back home on my country and showing them a bit of stuff with scar trees um walking through the bush showing them all the different animal tracks uh, we'll do a bit of fishing, a mm. bit of cooking, and uh, we'll do the didgeridoos. So we'll find the didgeridoos for the men's group and then the young women's. We'll, um, I'll sort out an auntie to go and do some work with them. I'm looking forward to that. So you, you've got lots going on. You, you're yeah. a busy man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so I was still doing casual work at the moment in fire protection, but yep. um, we'll see We'll see what happens. Is yeah. it mostly driven through social media? Is that where you're finding most of the traction comes from? Yeah, so what I what I figured out, I know I'm, I'm a bit of an overthinker when it comes to business and strategy and stuff. I think at the moment, 
I'm just still trying to find the right pattern that works for me. And what I found is use the three platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok's international, Instagram's Australia-wide, mm-hmm. Facebook's local. Mm-hmm. So if I hit those three targets, then I have a look at where I want to make my, my sales pretty much. So pretty much it's it's, it's um, algorithms as well. So Facebook, TikTok and Instagram do the same thing. The more you post, the more your stuff will get seen. Mm. So if you have a break, then it'll float through it, through the main scrolling screen every now and then. Yep. But if you post if you post all the time, it'll repeat itself and go through a lot more. So you make more sales. I always see your stuff at the top of my Instagram. Stuff. <laughs> yes, that's just like everything you do. But even like you find another lot of, a lot of other indigenous companies, I've, around Australia that I I watch and I see how they do their stuff and I sort of. Try and find the same patterns, but make it more unique to me. So I think that's what all businesses do. So make yourself stand out. But the, the platforms is, is free. So if you can figure out ways, um, like you got Canva as well. So you, you do your invoicing. You, can, you got your templates for that for your websites, your business templates. It's, mm. it's got it. Like that's something that's got everything as well. So you just got to find the right thing that works for your company and for you. What's your favorite thing to create? Do you have a favorite? Or um, I don't know. It's like probably the didgeridoo. This Christmas just gone, I, I wanted to get into a carving as well. So I, I made a sango and a carved around an ironbark didgeridoo, mm. and uh, that's quite unique. I'll when you get that. attached, you get it. You get attached <laughs> to some of your artwork, and then <laughs> someone comes over. Oh, yeah, what do you want for that one, brother? And right. I was like, oh yeah, I haven't made a price for it yet. And these guys, you don't want to sell it, do you? And I was like, oh, I'll get back to you. There it is right there. Yeah, there it is. We'll, uh, we'll share this, um, on our socials as well, but you, you see this thing and I can understand why you wouldn't want to part with it. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I do a lot of custom jobs. Um, I think the fun job is I worked at Brisbane Central State School, uh, during NAIDOC week and I think they only had a couple of Indigenous kids there, but the, the principal of the, um, school is son played with my boy in junior footy at Springwood and what we did there for at the end of the week for the NAIDOC week, I sat with the leaders and Indigenous kids and we actually came up with a totem animal, a story for their sports shirts because they didn't have one. So we sat down and done a story and we worked out all the symbols and what each one meant and it was it was unique to what they wanted. I said, and I always talk to the kids about leaving a legacy somewhere and that was their legacy that they left at the school. Yeah. So we put their names on that and then um, it's in the process of getting made now. Well, you're a family man as well. Um, that must keep you busy. And what do you hope for for your for your children? I mean, do you, do you want your kids to follow in your footsteps and play AFL and be an artist, or you you're happy with whatever they decide? I think what what me and my partner do with the two kids. So I got a girl, um, twelve, and then be boy ten. She's doing really well in track and field. Always said to her, I know you'd like your individual sport, but you need to learn how to to win as a team and lose as a team, and have people around you. Okay, so she does hockey as well in the off-season of Little Athletics. Uh, my boy at the moment is playing basketball and AFL during the season and then he finishes Little Athletics on a Friday night as well. Mm. So we're just about finished the athletic season. Now we're going into the winter sports season. So he'll play basketball Thursday night, AFL on a Saturday. But we train two days a week, so we split different directions because my daughter's up at QSAC training. She was there last night. Mm. Um, it's... It's pretty full on, so we're at the stage now where I've actually got a whiteboard for the kids. <laughs> so we've yeah. planned a month ahead where your training sessions are, what time, Solid. and just get them into that routine because like, I, I hated setting goals, but now I run three diaries. So like, 
you know, people laugh at me and they go, I said, no, I, I need it because, yeah. you know, I'll get all these different companies come and work with me. So got another company that brings out foster kids to my house and um, engage with them kids that obviously uh, have been either expelled from school or in protection and stuff and it's just to give them the cultural identity as well. So they come to my house and we make a whole heap of artefacts and connect that way. The highlight for many of these international artists, the feedback to the CMC organisers was just how thoughtful and how impressed they were with your amazing gifts that you, you were able to, to pass on to these international artists. We even had Breland playing them on stage, the, the clapstick, and, you know, Blanca Brown, like a fish to water with him. He was, uh, he was tapping away. But pretty special thing to, to see people from around the world embrace our culture like that. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, that was a big hype because I... I think I'd caught something from the previous weekend before with my program out in Kanamala back home and uh, I'd come down and did the, the CMC with you guys. But on the third day, I actually come down a bit crook with a fever or something like that and I couldn't make it. So I had, a, I had about six mates from high school out of Ipswich there. They'd um, messaged me videos and I said, brother, you're missing out. I think he's playing your clapsticks and everyone was cheering. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's my brother boy that made them. Yeah. You know, And then like it just got everyone hyped up. It and, did. Uh, uh, it was cool that he uh, that he you know went live, and I'm pretty sure isn't CMC live around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. you just sort of you worldwide, know, brother, Mister Worldwide. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you sort of take it in after. It's like, oh, really? Actually, I wonder how many people see my clapsticks. Yeah, you know? and he was he was proud to to get up there and play too, and just to hear the crowd get behind it as well was yeah, go me goosebumps, give me goosebumps now just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I. You know, obviously, most Murray kids are all grow, you know, brought up on, on country music, you know. So <laughs> uh, I made another um, gift as well for Uncle Troy. So I, yeah. I gave him the um, the hunting boomerang because mm. I was like, oh, no, he'd, he, oh, Uncle, he'd be black fella. He'd have clapsticks galore at that home as gifts. So I've got to make him something unique. Something so, yes, I'd bring something in a bit different for him. So. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, there's a couple of uh, – there's a lot of uh, up-and-coming Aussie artists coming through as well that are sort of being – keeping tabs on. Yeah. I like to find local talent and then just listen to their music and then just watch them rise the ranks, you know, kind of thing. So, who, are you, who are you keeping your eye on, bros? Who's, um, who's doing it for you? Well, I think she's back this year. I'm pretty sure I've seen the lineup. Um, is it Caitlin Shadbolt? Caitlin Shadbolt. Yeah, back. so yep. T Gimpy Girl. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching her come through the ranks. And then, the talent shows, yeah. Yeah, so she comes through the ranks at Gimpy and then I think she had a, this is her second gig back here at CMC. And then she went to Tenworth and won... Artist of the yeah, year, first been, artist of the year, and then she went overseas for a little bit, and yep. yeah, and just stuff like that. And then you got obviously the McClymonts, um, the two of the girls are heavily married and stuff. Now watching them, I missed out on CMC that year because mm. I was I was keen on watching a bit of that stuff as well. But uh, yeah, just your like, I think Sarah Berkey. Sarah Berkey, yeah, Sarah we caught Berkey. up with her last year. She's a great uh, great young talent. But look, there's so much. Hey, eh? like Casey Barnes. Well, he's a, yeah. he's a superstar now, but we've watched him sort of. Come from nowhere and take over, and I think the next one will be um, James Johnson. Yeah, yeah, just a yeah. great kid, oh, great young man, I should say. You know, great yeah. kid, great young yeah. man, and yeah, country music's alive and, and healthy in this in this part of the world, eh? Yeah, I think everyone's starting to sort of jump on the bandwagon a bit now because I think uh, what's that other one down the coast? What do they call that one? Down where? Uh, uh, the, it's that free country music festival on the Gold Coast. Oh uh, yeah, the, uh, the uh, groundwater. Groundwater. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been to that one, but that. Uh, they had a couple of people that's played out at CMC as well. Yep, yep. But, um, yeah, like, there's a lot of good talent coming through. But, I'm like like I said, I love my old school old old school country. So, like, you know, Alan Jackson yes. and, and Brooks and Dunn. Well, my, yeah, well, Brooks and Dunn was my first album. 
So right. the brand new man album new had, had ten had ten songs on it, and that was my first ever album I bought in the nineties on cassette. Uh, I think it just went to CD. Just, <laughs> just went to CD then. We're well, still recording our uh, our uh, radio tape, service yeah. on on the cassettes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I think we had Walkmans then. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. We're showing our age here, bros. Um, I get the phone call from uh, the CMC mob. We love the, the international artists couldn't couldn't speak more highly enough of the gifts that they were given, and you know also the message that came with the gift. Hit me up. Is Ron going to be doing the, the gifts again this year? And we said, yeah, yeah, we're doing the gifts. We're giving you a bit more time this year too, brother. Yeah, no, <laughs> two days. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I wanted to go all out and, and make the wow factor, but um, well, I think these guys said that they, they can only fit so much in their luggage bag to take back with them, yeah. so I have to make smaller gifts. I was keen on doing a couple of digits for a couple of the bigger artists, so just obviously being, being music, uh, musicians and stuff like that as well. So, Can you explain to the listeners what gifts you'll be giving out this year? Okay, so what we've got at the moment, we've just got a box coolerman, so just your smaller type coolerman, and then we've got some Gigi and Mulga clap sticks that'll be um, together for each artist. So my timber that I cut, I only cut back out at home on, on our country, so either the Kunya or the Kuma mob, and that, I don't think that's just what makes me more unique, I think. So there's a lot of other artists out there as well that do the same thing. It's a good story to say, you know, where you're from. You know, I'll send the photo as well of what I've cut down and then you'll get the process photos. So you get about five or six photos mm. from start to finish of what your what your gift is. So That's deadly. And, you know, you you get it from the person from that country, you get it from the person that made it. So you don't you go you don't get it from a gift shop, so yeah, you don't you don't get the three <laughs> four stages and then yeah. trying to figure out where the storylines come from, so you'll get the whole lot. Yeah. All from the one person, which makes it more unique. No, it's deadly, bros. And the way you present them as well. Um, yeah. It's just so beautiful, you know, wrapped up and with the feathers. Um, yeah, just very, very, very special. We're just about out of time, but um, how can people find you on all those socials? TikTok, I must admit, I'm pretty rubbish at, but I might have to start following you. Instagram, Facebook, how can the mob get in, involved in what you're doing? Yeah, so I've, I've just got the... Um the, just the websites at the moment. Um, I haven't had enough time to set up the website properly, so I've got Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'll probably use the Facebook and TikTok more than anything. RHDGDs and Aboriginal oh, and Artifacts, and that's on Instagram, and then obviously just Ron Hooper DigiDs and Aboriginal Artifacts on Facebook. Well, we'll share all those links on the Catch Up Radio segment on our website, so you can find Ron just below if you're listening to this online. You're listening on the radio. Jump on there and uh, type him in. Have a look at some of the amazing works that he's uh, creating. Ron, brother, we thank you so much for joining us today on Let's Talk. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. That's our show for another week. Uh, thank you very much for your company. And uh, don't forget, once again, you can catch up on any episodes at our website, aaa.org.au. We'll catch you back next week. No more whispering in our mind. Let's Talk. Monday to Friday at 9am on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeartRadio. You can catch up on AAA.org.au, proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.